we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Good morning, Buffalo What's Next? Welcome to it. <laughs> I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and this is a fun one today, uh, I, I, I believe. Uh, we're talking about, for all you uh, green thumbers out there, you horticulturists out there, uh, for the amateur gardeners out there, we're going to be talking about a wonderful event here that I'm, I've, I've gotten slowly acclimated to, the Eastside Garden Walk. It is a, it's an event that's been going on now for, for some time, since 2018, and, and, the, and the, the, the Buffalo Garden Walk in general, or Garden Walk Buffalo, has been going on now for, for even longer. But I'm joined today by two of the co-chairs of the Eastside Garden Walk portion of, 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 of the, the group, Samantha White and Miss Renata Tony. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm sure you're, I'm assuming you're, you're both uh, gardeners at heart as well, right? You can't be a co-chair of a, of a garden walk if you, if you don't have a good garden. I, Samantha's, Samantha's giving me a look. Wait, are you not a gardener? <laughs> I'm a gardener. You can but, but I'll tell you, I'm the type of gardener that gets my hands in the dirt. Some of my plants die. Some of them live. <laughs> I love doing it. I de-stress like that. I can't tell you all the flower names. Definitely not the scientific ones. But I can get in that dirt. But I think, I think whether you're a gardener or not, I'm not a gardener. I help. I, I'm not going to go out here and say that. My wife is the gardener. She's got the green thumb out of the both of us. Uh, but you can appreciate the fine beauty of, of flowers, of, of greenery, of especially in a place like Buffalo, right? I'm I'm from from warmer weather, and and we have palm trees, and 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 uh, what's our state flower? Goodness, I I usually know it off. What is the Florida state flower? I'll get back to that one. But I can I can appreciate a good. Good, good greenery, and 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 there's definitely a lot of that to be seen at the Eastside Garden Walk. It's going to take place this month, July 22nd and 23rd. Correct, two day event. It is from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's prime time. It's been going on now, rain or shine, since 2018. Did it take place during during the dark days of COVID? Is that we ran it every year except for 2020? We did a mm. virtual version of it. Interesting. And actually, all of that footage is still available. Um, online at gardensbuffaloniagara.com if you check out our Garden Views page. So you can get a, a, like a, pre, a, pre, a preview of what's to come in person oh, yeah. later on this year. Uh, because it, it, so it takes place on the east side of Buffalo, uh, a, a part of town that we on our show have, have, have zeroed in on a lot because of the unfortunate events that have taken place there and, and the efforts to, to make it a better place. Uh, Samantha, you are, I found out a a native Long Islander. I couldn't. I couldn't tell at all that you were from Long Island. That's right. I've been up here a long time. Um, I grew up in Brentwood, New York. Uh, went to University of Rochester. Came here for law school. Met my husband. Buffalo's got some good guys. I stayed, and we've been over at our home since 2005 
on the east side. You're on the east raising side Raising a family. Uh, I got I got sucker here too, so don't worry. You're not the only one, and I'm I'm happy and happier for it. And Renata, you are originally from Albany, but now also, but you moved out here at a young age at five. And now you're you're East Sider through and through. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yes, I moved to Buffalo uh, at five years old. Stayed here all my life. Went to college, um, high school, um, etc. And um, you were asking. Wait, no, no, don't don't gloss over. <laughs> what high school? Uh, City Honors. Hey, there we go. City Honors. I, I I rep my high school. I rep my my. Belen Jesuit, stand up. Uh, you got to do so. And here, people take their their alumnus status very, very seriously. There's too many Buff State grads walk around here that love to well, make it known. I'm a Buffalo from... State grad. See, oh, there so. we go. See. It... But yeah, I, I've been gardening since I was uh, 19 years old, and I can remember the first thing I planted. It was a, pa- a bag of gladiolus, and I just fell in love with gardening since then. I'm going to pull and up my, my, my Google machine here. Gardiolas. Gladiolas. Gladiolas. Wow. Yes, gladiolas. They're bulbs. And I just, you know, it, oh, it just kept beautiful. going. Just kept going since then. Those are beautiful. Well, I hope hope everyone else knows what a, guardio, a gladiolia, gladiolia, gladiola and, looks like. because. And, and like Samantha, I'm also a resident. I'm an Eastside resident. I moved away for about 24 years living in North Buffalo, and um, inherited my family home, and I, I moved back, and um, I'm glad I did. Well, uh, I'm, I'm eager to. I'm, I'm gonna make it out there. That's for sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. Uh, my wife, I'm, I'm definitely taking her out there, uh, because as, a, as a past florist, she loves everything about this event. Uh, we, we, we've been looking forward to it since, since <laughs> the bleak winter that we've, we've, we had. What is the Eastside Garden Walk, and and why is this such a great event? Well, I'll tell you. We've been doing it, like you said, since 2018. This year we have almost 75 gardens on the walk. People really just open their homes. They share, not necessarily their homes, but their yards. They share their stories. They share their hopes, their dreams of what it could be. They share the story of what it was. Um, If you came to my garden five years ago, you know, it was different. It changes every year, you know, Um, and people share that. And as you visit over time, you see those changes and you see the changes in the neighborhoods, you know, and what we're doing is we're enabling people to really just share the best part of their communities. And you see, you probably, I'm assuming you share some gardening tips as well. You get to, there's themes to every it's a lot of the, the, the gardens, right? Some of them, yeah. Some of them? Yeah. I, to me, what surprises me is you never know who's going to walk into your garden. And um, my experience was that really surprised me was how many people came back to a neighborhood that they grew up in that they probably hadn't seen in a long time. But when they looked at the garden walk map um, and saw maybe a street that they grew up and next street was over, I heard so many people who came to my yard and shared and told me, you know, about what it used to be like when they grew up there. And they were just, they were so happy because they hadn't been back, you know, to their home. But also to me, what I was surprised by is just the, the exchange of education of uh, the people who were highly knowledgeable of gardening, far more knowledgeable than far I was. Far more than me, that's for sure. <laughs> and um, shared tips and, you know, tips for when to put down compost and I mean things that I cannot tell you have helped me significantly uh, but you know there, there were just a lot of surprises that I just so enjoyed talking 
to everyone and seeing so many people who are like me inspired by gardening. Um, I also had visitors who came from as far as Rochester, um, you know, who traveled 40 or 50 miles to come just to stroll through and talk That's and chat. Before. So. I mean, inviting someone to your into your garden, to your home, an extension yeah. of your home, that's a that's a personal thing. And it's great that there's these really just organic, genuine conversations that seem to be sprout. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at that gardening joke, <laughs> gardening pun uh, That's that come about from the, this exchange. So, um, You know, I would even go so far as to say after the event, throughout the course of the year, I run into people at the supermarket that say, hey, I think I know you. Were you on a garden walk? I think I was in your yard. And the thing is, we're the city of good neighbors, but the only way you can be a neighbor is by actually being there physically. Engaging, talking. Engaging, making that relationship. And this is one way to... Complimenting your hydrangeas. <laughs> you don't have to compliment them all, but, you know, come out, see, build build those relationships. Even if it's like, you know how they have micro loans? Consider it like a micro relationship. Even if it's just, <laughs> um, you know, you never know when you're going to run into these people again because this is such a small town. We're all just removed from each other by one or two people. And another special trait, Lorenzo, was a, a visit uh, from a bus that was sponsored by the Jurist Federation. Yeah. And it was about 30, 40 people on the bus. Um, and it came at such a, can I say, time of healing and recovery um, with all that had happened with the mm-hmm. massacre previously and just seeing their faces and 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 feeling their kind hearts and feel, you know getting hugs and seeing them enjoy looking at all your hard work um, it meant a lot it really meant a lot to me and that was just a special highlight to me also last year for a part of the city that that doesn't get enough credit sometimes and and and, and then take something like the the races May fourteenth shooting to, to to bring an attention an unwanted attention, but then to then bring it back to a, a healing and wholesome and and nurturing place with with an event like this is it's a it's a wonderful thing. Um, there's sights to be seen. You've got you've got city honors that has had a, an outdoor classroom garden, uh, urban farms that, that the local families put together. What what are some of the things that 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 folks can see on the walk? Oh, I, I invite everybody to come out to my community garden on Box Avenue. Can we get a preview of what's going to be at Samantha White's garden? Uh, 500 book bags that we're giving away to the community. That's what's going on at oh, the... Oh, so you're uh, tight. You're, you're, yeah, getting, you're yeah. bringing in folks we're, with the... We're doing good. We're doing good through gardening, you know? I wanted to get to the, the, the book bags, and I guess I guess now's a, a, the right time to do so. Where are these book bags? How do they? How do you get them? What are they, what are they for? So they are uh, poncho packs through Teachers Desk. Um, we fundraised and were able to purchase 500. We're going to be giving away 250 on Saturday from 12 to 2 p.m. over at the Box Avenue Community Garden near Fillmore and Utica. It's marked on the map, which you can find at eastsidegardenwalk.com. You can also find maps at your local public libraries or over at MLK Park. Uh, during the day of the event and People's Park off of Main Street uh, near the Tri-Main Building uh, during the event Saturday and Sunday. Um, we would encourage you to come out. You must have the child present with you. These these book bags have everything you need, notebooks, binders, pencils, pens, glue sticks. Um, they're sturdy book bags, and um, you know a lot of kids are going to get helped. I'm not yet at the, the point in time as a father to do the, the book, I mean the, the, the back-to-school's supply purchasing but i know it's a lot it as is. a former student i remember how how you wanted the trapper keeper and you wanted the, the new note the new notepads uh, the girls wanted their lisa frank ones 
it's it's a lot to put together and the fact that you all are providing that to to possibly people that really need it is huge uh 500 book bags that's a lot it is yeah um and as far as so there's you have a very giving garden uh what are what are some of the other themes or what in your your in it's been now five five years of, of the event, right? Mm-hmm. How, what are some of the takeaways? What are the big ones that you remember in the past? I, I, I was looking on the website. There was a three-story statue, a, a Buddhist Zen garden that that someone had. From The statue was from Vietnam. Like, what, what kinds of sites can we see? So, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Lorenzo. <laughs> I usually am in my garden. And well, that's true. So you're, I do, you're hosting. I'm hosting. Ah. And so I don't necessarily get the opportunity to go and visit all of the gardens, except for when I'm delivering signs. But um, I, I would tell you that I've had the opportunity to see a lot of these gardens. And whether it is the three-story statue or a pot of flowers, I'm telling you, the best part of the walk is really talking with the people. Hmm. It really is. It really is, and and I can I can certainly speak for my garden, which um, when people wander in, they're sort they're surprised by what they see because well, um, I love art. I worked mm-hmm. at the Birchfield Penny for fourteen years mm. previously, so I think my garden has different elements, more representations of art, also sculpture. Um, so I think people are sort of. Uh, wild when they walk in, they're not expecting that versus just green plants and Charles Birchfield, uh, an admirer of, of, of greenery, of, of flowers, and oh, yes, he was an environmentalist, he yeah. was an environmentalist, and he his natural landscapes were absolutely amazing. So, you know, seeing all that, um, I think uh, that's one thing that's kind of distinctively different in Buffalo's gardens is that there you will find more representations of art when you walk to even at the large, the larger Buffalo Niagara's garden walk, you'll see a lot of art. In, in yards that normally you just don't see in other places. In fact, Gardens Buffalo Niagara, we sponsor an annual garden art sale, which actually just occurred um, a couple weekends ago. Oh, last week. Last weekend, this. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, but you in... can look forward to it uh, the third week of June for 2024. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's another. There's a lot of events actually within the... the, um, the Gardens Buffalo, Gardens Niagara, Buffalo Niagara, Niagara umbrella. Umbrella, right. Yeah. I looked at the, the one of the tabs and it's just boom. Yep. Um, there's one that I'm going to touch on in a little bit, uh, the, the Children's Garden Walk. That, that seems very exciting. One of the landmarks that you'll see noted on the Eastside Garden Walk map is the Freedom Wall. Um, I bring it up because for four years we advocated for a dignified streetscape. It had been littered with um, exposed rebar, tall grass. Um, It was dilapidated. And when you have such important local and national African-American leaders, you need that surrounding to be dignified. So after years of advocating for these repairs, Senator Kennedy came through and he was able to find three quarters of a million dollars worth of funding and this year, it's actually complete. Even if you stop by at night, they're now the Freedom Wall is now lit at night, and it's um, it's a real honor to say that you know Eastside Garden Walk, along with Michigan Street African American Heritage Corridor, did a lot of the work, um, working with stakeholders and the community to make this project happen. And 
thank we're just so thankful for the support of Senator Tim Kennedy in actually realizing what we what we needed for our community. So if you have a chance, please go out and visit the Freedom Wall because it's a project that is near and dear to the East Side Garden Walk. It's a great stop on this wonderful uh, trip that, that you'd embark on on the East Side Garden Walk. Uh, I mean, Garden Walk Buffalo in general, this is what they do. They, they I think it's it's garnered some tourism awards. Uh, it's it's beautified and rejuvenated neighborhoods in other parts of, of, of Buffalo, but also very much the East Side, as we've mentioned. Um, and it and attracts those visitors from 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 the U.S. and abroad each year. I think I, I saw that it's an estimated annual impact of four point five million dollars. That's that's correct. That's the impact that Garden Walk Buffalo has on its neighborhood, and we want to see the same financial impact on the east side of Buffalo. We want to see uh, businesses supported during these events. So if you have a chance, stop off at Mana, stop off at Golden Cup, grab a coffee, you know, support the businesses, help grow the community, helps be a good neighbor. Some of the other things that I've seen, you know, going through the yards, you'll see people displaying um, blankets that their families had knitted or mm. um, what's the patchwork called? Quilting. Quilting, Quilting together. Yeah, um, I've seen that and it can be beautiful. It's... Um, a predominant tradition in the African-American culture. So you really see that culture on display. You'll see um, African-style artwork. Um, it, it, there's just some really amazing gardens where you see the house from the front and then you go into the backyard and it's just like, wow, wow. You feel like you're in a whole different space. And you really see how people put their their thumbprint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are not only just we're, we're lumping it all into East Side, but we're talking about neighborhoods, Madison Park, Willard Park, uh, Elmsley, Lovejoy, uh, on yep. and on and on. The Fruit Belt, Larkin, Hamlin Park. This is a big expanse of. of yes. Is there is a walking tour? Well, what what are there any... is challenging on East Side Garden Walk, and we we can privately say though, uh, the East Side is Buffalo's largest side. Mm-hmm. You know, versus west, north, so it's a it's a huge, huge footprint. Um, the other garden walk is sort of is more clustered in a certain area of Buffalo. Uh, uh, what would that be? South, southwest, in that that cluster. That sounds about right. Southwest the Buffalo, Delaware area. Yeah, Delaware down down in that area, but. Uh, the east side is huge. so Cyclists encouraged? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the best strategy is grabbing a copy of the map, seeing where there's some good clusters, driving out there and then walk in the cluster, find another cluster, drive over to that cluster. Or there are a lot of bicycle tours that mm. are happening. I know that Westminster Presbyterian is doing a bicycle tour. I believe that Explore Buffalo is going to run Ooh. a bicycle tour. It's getting exciting, it is. This is nice. Yeah. This yeah. Is, I mean, it's summertime in Buffalo. Yeah. I, I, this is the time that you look forward to all year. All just year. rent a limo. I'm with you. Renata, I'm, uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what circles you roll in, but <laughs> if you want to invite me on your limo, I'm, I'm happy to <laughs> can't fund it. Uh, Samantha White, Renata Tony. Uh, co-chairs of the Eastside Garden Walk, which is coming up this month of July, 22, the 22nd and the 23rd, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's uh, rain or shine. Rain or shine. I mean, these flowers need to get watered, so they're going to be there. You might as well be there as well. Renata, you organized recently a Gar- Gardens Buffalo Niagara's first garden education workshop. Can you elaborate on what that was, what it took to get going? What do you learn at said workshop? 
Okay, well, absolutely. Well, let me let me start with um, what's really unique about Eastside Garden Walk, and I've been involved for the past three years, but what it's starting to do, I think it's starting to evolve and develop an identity um, mm-hmm. on its own. And I give Samantha White so much credit because she wanted it to be more than just flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just heard her talk about uh, the backpacks that she'll be doing. No, it's not just about viewing gardens, but you know we're also going to do something special. She's always adding these really amazing socially conscious layers, which did not exist before. And and then she started the the, the children's garden uh, party. So th- the identity is still evolving, and I get my inspiration as related to doing the uh, learning shop, learn shop, was inspired by her. And I I got I have to thank Gardens Buffalo Niagara for supporting us in these directions mm-hmm. <laughs> that we want to take because if it wasn't for them and 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 they support our ideas but um last summer uh Sally Cunningham the queen of gardening in western new york she is royalty <laughs> nationally she, known nationally internationally yeah. known she came for a visit with Jim Charlier to my garden and I was just so honored to have her there and we talked, and then we walked through my gardens. I asked her for some suggestions and tips, which she gave me. But then she just said to me, she goes, you know what, I'm so impressed with Eastside Garden Walk. Um, I want to do something. Uh, would you be open to, I would like to donate doing a, uh, a garden workshop. But, you know, I like it to be on the east side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear you have um, a large consist- constituency of people that you can reach out to. You know, would you be willing to do it? And I was just blown away by that. So we said, okay. We went back to Samantha. We talked about it. She was like, yeah, absolutely. So we collaborated with um, Phyllis Lobbins, who is also a master gardener. She resides on the east side, um, has an amazing garden. Oh, my goodness. And um, I would throw in there that... that- Saying master gardener isn't a saying; it's a certification. I was about to say it's like through a master class. Cornell gardener here through yes. the Cornell Extension. Yes, so, so you have to be a certified. She gardener. is a master gardener, yeah, master. and th- this is some of the talent and some of the amazing gardens you'll see on the east side. I'm sorry for jumping well, in. No, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad. Please. So you know, uh, with with that inspiration that originally came from Samantha, um, we, which I didn't know was it's. The first time Gardens Buffalo Niagara had ever did education. They didn't tell me that until after. <laughs> but um, we presented a workshop um, at St. Gerard Place. Uh, we had room for like 129 regist- registrants. Um, it ended up filling up. I mean, the, the response was amazing um, to it. Um, we had two different presentations. Sally Cunningham focused mostly mm. on soil preparation, caring for gardens, etc., while uh, Phyllis Lobbins focused more so on um, how to design a, what she called, pollinator gardener. Because her garden is very, very designed, very much designed. Bringing those to bees. Bees, right, bees. Bees are very important to her. Yes. So she plants flowers. Very important to the ecosystem types. in general. Yes. We need those bees. So they, we don't want to get sung by bees, but we need them desperately. So they did two tracks, um, and it was just awesome. And it was it, it was well attended. So so well attended to where our president, uh, Lori Owsley, said, you know what, Renata? You know, this is something that maybe potentially we want to maybe look at and invest in again because we've never done anything like this. And I, I that, that's when I first learned, like I said, you haven't. She goes, no, this is the first time we've ever presented any sort of educational type component. So um, I'm hoping we can do it again. 
So it 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 was it was excellent. So thank you, Samantha, for giving us a new identity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samantha wanted her own identity. <laughs> the Children's Garden Festival. That's coming up a little bit later on, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the Children's Garden Festival is going to be September, excuse me, Sunday, October 8th from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. So I'll give that one more time. The Children's Garden Festival is Sunday, October 8th, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And it's our second year. Last year, we did it um, during the Eastside Garden Walk in July on my block so that I could run everything at the same time. <laughs> it was crazy. It was too much for one day. So we broke it off this year. Now it's two days. Now it's two days. But it's still going to be a free admission, free food festival. Both of these events, very much free. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, that's how we roll. Love it. And and what kind of things would the... the the youths, the, 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 I, I wake my cousin Vinny on you. Uh, what can they, what can they look forward to at the the garden festival? Listen, I'm out here hustling, uh, working to get some resources together. We're looking to have clothing to distribute for free. We're, uh, I'm talking with um, friends who have farms to get free pumpkins so that they, oh, they can paint fall, them. So yeah, you gotta get, yeah, you gotta get a pumpkin yeah. ready for the great so pumpkin. The way Charlie that I, Brown. the way that I imagine it is. Um, I love to take my daughter to the Great Pumpkin Farm, but it's so expensive. And I'm hoping that we are able to raise enough funds to provide that type of experience to children on the east side who may not have Mm. the means and their family may not have the transportation to make it that far out towards the suburbs, you know. And we want to provide an experience where whether you have one child or six, seven, you can come and let your children learn about gardening. We're going to um, work on having educational um, activities. Um, we're going to have a DJ, bounce houses. It's going to be a blast. Free food. Um, and you're going to get a different variety of flowers, I assume, because you got autumn, right? So We're going to give out bulbs so that uh, kids can plant them and they'll grow a spring garden. Ah, I was going to say, they're, if I'm not mistaken, chrysanthemums, uh, some dahlias, those are... That's that's definitely of... the the fall flowers. Um, if if you know Pansies. of any, if you know of any garden centers that would like to donate some, we would gladly accept them and distribute. <laughs> like a like a great co-chair there. Uh, I'm speaking to that was Samantha White, and I'm also speaking to Renata Tony today uh, about the Eastside Garden Walk, the Children's Garden Festival coming up in October. Uh, two great events, also going to be in, in on the East Side as well, correct? MLK Park. MLK Park. Maps are already out and about for folks to pick up and, and start making their plans for... Yeah. We've got it on the website at eastsidegardenwalk.com. You can pick up a hard copy of your map at any of the Erie County and Buffalo Public Libraries. And the day of the event, um, the Garden Walk, that is, Eastside Garden Walk, um, you can pick it up at the um, People's Park off of Main Street near Tri-Main Center, as well as MLK Park. So this is the Eastside Garden Walk, but uh, before this, there was, and this started in 2018, but before this, it was uh, the Blumenfelds, correct? So. That started that started the whole Buffalo Niagara, Garden Gardens Buffalo Niagara first uh, event here. Can you give me a little bit of the history of, of, the, of the organization? So we currently exist as Gardens Buffalo Niagara, but we weren't always Gardens Buffalo Niagara. It really developed... Um, out of a trip that Marvin and Marvin Lunenfeld and Gail McCarthy took uh, to Chicago back in 93, they saw a garden walk and brought the idea back and said, 
we should do this here. And they did with their block club, the Norwood West Utica Neighborhood Association. And they did their first tour in 1995. And it grew. It grew. And it, a good flower. it incorporated um, as Garden Walk Buffalo in 2007. Well, they weren't the only game in town. There was also the National Garden Festival, which did open gardens, mm -hmm. as well as some other gardening events. By 2014, everybody realized we shouldn't be reinventing the wheel. We shouldn't be competing with each other. We should be working together and collaborating. And so the two organizations um, reformed and merged and became Gardens Buffalo Niagara, which has grown. And now we host events like Garden Walk Buffalo, which everybody knows gets 100,000 visitors per year. Eastside Garden Walk, the Garden Art Sale, Urban Farm Day, the Children's Garden Festival, Open Gardens, which expand beyond the city limits. And you can visit gardens on Thursdays and Fridays every week in July um, throughout all of Western New York. It's it's amazing. It's the one theme I keep hearing here in one, one form or another, uh, whether it's it's welcoming folks into your garden into a private space it's usually a private space to uh, commiserating on the on the ups and downs the trials and tribulations of growing a garden yourself successfully or unsuccessfully is the sense of community and welcoming and 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 that's a wonderful thing it's an amazing thing that you all are doing uh bringing not only the east side together but also buffalo and western new york together with this event and and all the others that that branch out from it yeah, I've gotten two, two, <laughs> two puns. I'm trying to go for a third one. Let's see if we could do it. Um, but it's an amazing event. And I hope our, our listeners uh, head on out there uh, July 22nd and 23rd, 10 a.m., 3 p.m. Uh, starting at, you guys can start at MLK Park and then go from there. You can start anywhere you want. Download the map, get it ahead of time, plan a route out, and we'll see you there. But stop at the Box F Community Garden and um can you put the map but people's park also oh yeah people's the park people, has people's the maps okay. and last question um we were talking briefly before my wife is a florist it, I, i'm i i have to i have to know my 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 flowers uh my favorite flower is the orange blossom florida state flower i gotta I gotta represent represent high schools represent home states uh but your favorite flower renata okay well i have a series of native native plants in my yard. So um, I have milkweed, some monardas. Um, one of my favorites also is a plant. It's if I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's called Montbrecia, or it's also some people call it Lucifer, Lucifer's lips. Ooh, yeah, they're they're really beautiful. And I also love uh, plants that attract butterflies. Yes. So I have a lot of butterfly bushes. Um, I have different variations of hibiscus that bloom just absolutely beautifully. Um, so th I think those would be my, my top favorite representations in my yard. She'd get mad at me if I didn't say it. My, my, my wife is an orchid fan. So of course, very high, high taste, uh, high, uh, high gluten tastes, uh, not, not cheap flowers, but in the slightest, but, uh, Samantha, your favorite flower. I'm going to pass on the flowers. I'm going to go with my favorite plant being some Ooh. of the vegetables that I grow, like the kale and the collards. Um, because it gets me friends in the neighborhood, you know, we grow them in the community garden and everybody keeps an eye out. And when I'm there, Hey, 
are they ready yet? <laughs> so I, I'll true, go with the, the veggies. True community builder here. Uh, yes, she is. My Master Gardener in training and community builder, Samantha White, Renata Tony. Uh, just two wonderful individuals. Thank you very much for, for your time today and for, for sharing, uh, for taking us on a, a virtual auditory garden walk and, and hopefully um, uh, learning some folks to, to a wonderful event in their backyard that they can attend this month. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. We're going to take a short pause here, but we'll be back with Samantha to discuss school suspensions in the Buffalo area after this. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. We're back with Samantha White. She is president of the Minority Bar Association of Western New York, a criminal defense and civil litigation attorney, and a member of Western New York Law Center's The School Discipline Project. Uh, we spoke to her previously about the Garden Walk, but now we're going to speak to her in something a little bit more pressing, which is school suspensions. Samantha, what's the work that you're doing with the School Discipline Project? Um, we've been focusing our work over at the School Discipline Project on holistic representation of families and students when they're dealing with the school district, uh, especially in disciplinary proceedings. We strive to reduce the current racial and special needs disparities that show up when you look at the statistics in school discipline here in the Buffalo public school systems. We do that by promoting um, this existing protections and safeguards of educational law uh, by ensuring due process rights and representation during disciplinary proceedings. And it's a, it's a real pleasure and honor to, to be here to talk about this a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. It's a topic that we've we've covered in the past, and and it's unfortunately still ongoing in this area. Um, I think I, I saw that Buffalo is one of the leading school districts that that hands out suspensions in in New York State. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, we are a top suspender, uh, especially when you look at it per capita, right? We beat New York City. They've got so many more kids than us. <sighs> So the Western New York Law Center School Discipline Project is a new um, legal advocacy program that's um, basically been developed uh, since I you know, got hired over at the law center this past February. Um, I'm leading the project, building it from the ground up, um, and assisting families um, in their disciplinary proceedings. So uh, say your kid got suspended, sent home, um, typically you'd end up in a virtual hearing with the Buffalo Public Schools. It's done in 15 minutes. Um, instead, you can be represented by an attorney for free. We do this for free uh, through our grant funding. And, um, you know, we help kids get better results. The reason that we're so focused on the work is because when you look at the statistics, a lot of these suspensions are uh, what you call subjective mm -hmm. right so it's, Man, it's almost, it's almost things that, every every case is there's some gray area there yeah a, a lot of the suspensions are based on insubordination which is very subjective 
um, being disrespectful, which is subjective. And it allows bias to enter. And we know that there's some sort of racial bias because children of color are being suspended at two and a half times the rate of white children. And children with special needs are being suspended at two times the rate of children without special hmm. needs. And so we at the Western New York Law Center School Discipline Project are looking to advocate for these children so that we can counter these racial and ability-based disparities that are showing up in the school discipline process. Yeah, we should be seeing less of that here. And uh, I'm glad we're, we're addressing this as, because um, I think the, the main the main component here is that that uh, we, we've spoken to Connect and, and other other members that are that are advocating for for uh, the, the Solutions Not Suspensions Act. It's that we want to get to the root cause of, of behavioral issues. We want to get students to be to be a part of, of their school and, and to not to not hate going to school. It's already it's already tough to get kids to go to school if, if they're facing problems with disciplinary action that it's being administered. Uh, freely that that just that just sours it even more so or even some of the interpersonal challenges that you experience when you're going through those growth spurts and going through those teen years right we want to do the best that we can to equip our kids with the resources and the support that they need to become contributing members to our community buffalo is such a small town it's such a small town we're only separated from each other by one or two people and so these kids when they grow up and get their jobs and go out into the community, they're, they're going to be there within a degree or two of you. And if we don't support them, you know, we're all in a bad position. We recently had Jessica Bauer-Walker on, and she's doing similar work in terms of this topic with Connect. How does that compare to what the School Discipline Project is doing? Yeah, so Connect is um, one of the lead partners in the coalition um, that is advocating against suspensions here in Buffalo. And I'm proud to say that the Western New York Law Center is a valued member in that coalition. So Jessica Bauer-Walker is a good partner of us, of ours, but um, she focuses more on the short-term suspensions. She focuses more on avoiding suspensions entirely and using um, alternative dispute resolution and restorative justice to avoid suspensions and to resolve issues inside the school system. It's my understanding that Buffalo Public Schools is one of the I guess top suspending schools in 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 New York State. Yeah, and and I think as you mentioned, it's it's disproportionately towards uh, children of color or disability or social social economic status. And I remember from prior conversations, um, that's usually a demographic or a lump of, of of people that don't have the resources. If if the child gets suspended, they have to take time off from work or yeah. they have to basically have to tend to this child. And in some cases, maybe they're left to their own devices. And then that's sometimes worse than, than actually addressing the root cause of the suspension. That That's exactly right. When you put a child out of school, you are leaving them on the streets to basically end up in the school to prison pipeline. Right. Instead of being properly supervised and using um, school supports, to address behavioral issues or mental health issues or other issues, adverse childhood experiences that are impacting this child, you're putting them out on the street and 
saying, well, the problem's not here inside the school. Let everybody else figure it out. And that's just not an acceptable solution for our kids, for our community. We really need the supports that are available inside the school system to help develop these children into um, better could, students, better people. Better, just, we go to school to hopefully learn, develop, grow, and we hope to learn schoolwork and, and, and actual curriculum, but also how to be individuals with one another. And, exactly. And, and to be a contributing member of society, right? If we don't offer supports to our kids, especially through the public system, then we are going to have a generation that is not able to contribute to the same level. The best way out of poverty is through education. When you push kids out of school, they don't get their education. The more you suspend them, the more likely they are to drop out. And then you look at the statistics of people in jail. Over 70% of the people in jail, guess what? They don't have that GED. They don't have that high school diploma. So by suspending a student over and over again, you're just increasing the chance that this kid is going to end up in a public defender uh, or, excuse me, in, in a, the criminal justice system. I'm sorry, I spent uh, quite a number of years as well, a public as, defender. As a public defender, yeah. it's, it's ingrained in you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I found alarming was that we're out here giving suspensions to pre-K, pre-K students, uh, somewhere up to from, from pre-K on. Uh, you, Almost you one sus- in ten. And I, I, I'm here is where I toot my own horn. I've never gotten suspended. I've gotten detentions, but I never got suspended. But I never saw anyone get suspended in some age as early as pre-kindergartner. I don't think at that age one can really truly grasp the, the punishment. I guess you don't get to go to school and play with your friends. I don't know. It's lost to me a little bit at that age. So I would say that while we are advocating for the solutions, not suspensions, legislation, which has been working its way through Albany for uh, over five years now, the district could take action today and change its policies today. They could stop suspending pre-K, kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders. Guess what? That was almost one in 10 of the suspensions this year. It was 8%. 8% of the children suspended this year were between pre-K and And third grade. Why? Uh, I'm here with Samantha White, uh, president of the Minority Bar Association of Western New York. But in this case, we're speaking about the Western New York Law Center's school discipline project. Uh, So you're helping folks, helping parents that are in these disciplinary hearings and and in this, this... I guess, cyclical process of instant suspension or, or it seems like the go-to is suspension. Yeah. We're not really addressing the root cause of, of the behavioral issues or or just whatever the, the disagreement is here. What are these solutions besides suspension? That Because some kids need to get disciplined in order for the rest of the students to, to be able to, to thrive. What are the solutions that, that are being offered? So what I would do instead of suspensions, and I, I think that suspension should be Band across all the grade levels, but definitely K through three. It's my belief that in order to create a better learning environment, we have to stop forcing kids out of the class. We need to invest in programs and policies that address root causes of student issues. And those are academic struggles, adverse childhood experiences, mental health gaps. Maybe they're not receiving services, behavioral health gaps. Maybe they need more services. Now, you can find services for behavioral health through the um, school-based counseling uh, as well as for mental health, but then you have outside vendors, 
um, like Best Self, um, there's Evergreen, there's plenty of counseling agencies. And sometimes it takes a family coming together with the school, with teachers, with administration, and really sitting down trying to figure out what's going on with this child. What resources do we have in the school? What resources do we have outside the school that we can tap into to, to resolve or address so that we place this child in a position to prosper academically and to grow into a contributing adult? You mentioned those agencies that, that help in these cases. Are you finding that it's the parents that are kind of doing the legwork and bringing everyone together? Or is it are schools actually, are you seeing some schools that are actually going that route? So I would say case by case, mm -hmm. it varies. And I don't think that it's solely the responsibility of the school district or the parent, but I think that there has to be communication, cooperation, and collaboration. And I think that with those three keys, you can unlock a whole lot of doors. Are parents aware that that those resources are available? Because sometimes some are and some aren't, because all these parents have different levels of education themselves, um, and have different backgrounds. So sometimes having resources, um, having information on resources, isn't something that is. Um, accessible to all people. And so I think that's where the school comes in, letting people know what the resources are, how to get help for the children when they need to. And are the schools aware in, in these resources enough to, to bring them in uh, to help? Or is this, are you seeing that they're, they're not? That would, be a, that would be a question for a school official. And I'm not going to speak, um, you know, yeah. to that. You know, I would invite them to come on to your show. I'm inviting them to come on to your <laughs> Please show. Please do. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo Public Schools, come on come on down. We're, we're, we always have a welcome seat. This is this is a big issue in our community. It's it's alarming to see that that as, soon, as early as pre-kindergarten and on and just the numbers are, are rather high and, and it's not so much the, the numbers but it's sometimes repeat individuals repeat students that just keep getting it's like a, it's, it's like cyclical. a cyclical. Yeah. yeah. Students Problem racking is, up multiple suspensions that okay, this child obviously has, there's something going on here. Why isn't the public school system doing more to address that behavior and try to remedy it instead of just the stopgap solution of, oh, we're going to suspend you again? Yeah, it, I, I work in this area and I can't figure that out myself. One of the things that I've seen with um, children who have special needs is that maybe they are in an 811 class, meaning eight students, one teacher, and an aide. Okay, and this would be for their core classes, like your math, your science, your English, your social studies. The very important ones. The, the important ones. But the rest of the time, you're in a big class for gym, for art, for music, whatever specials you have. And that's when the problems happen, right? When there's that lack of structure, that extra set of eyes on the student is gone. You're in a bigger class with more people and maybe the students in the general education class are, you know, teasing the, the special ed student. And before you know it, an incident happens. And then you're in this cycle that repeats over and over again. Sometimes it's the student, sometimes it's the situation. And we go through the full process with um, these children with special needs will do the manifestation determination review hearings for the families and this is all at no cost. We'll represent them um, 
for the superintendent hearing itself. We'll do the MDR hearings and we will advocate for them. Sometimes at the end of the manifestation determination review, um, they'll say, we're going to refer this case back to the Committee on Special Education um, to develop a behavioral intervention plan. Well, we'll do the representation on that too from time to time, you know? So we really do try to holistically represent the, the client with their legal issue to try and get more services, to try and get better outcomes, and to try and let the school know that this family has figured it out and they're not going to, you know, keep letting you push them and their kid around. And sometimes that's half the battle. And you're seeing in some cases where these students are then ultimately pulled from, from the school system or gone, or they go, in some cases, they go to a charter or private school. Is it better? So it's not necessarily that the school is pushing them into a charter school or expelling them that they have to go to a charter school. Really, the families sometimes get frustrated and remove their child from the public schools to put them into alternative schools. We're speculating here, but as far as the the, the public school system, if you had to, once again, speculate as to what might be the cause of this inaction, is it is it just, is it, is it staffing? Is it just everyone being, from what I've gathered, um, there's a need for, for teachers, there's a need for, for substitute teachers, there's a need for, for anybody in the, in, the, in the education field. Is it is it lack of support on on the on the education side of, of the, their personnel that so, might be contributing to this? Or again, I would say have, have invite somebody from the Buffalo Public Schools down to to talk about this. There are real resource limitations that the public school has. Okay, um, and the charter schools are effectively a drain on the resources of the public schools. Okay, um, but I, I would. I don't want to speculate, but I would say that I'm not going to get myself yeah, no. <laughs> in trouble. I'm not going to do it. I, almost, spoken almost. like a true attorney. <laughs> no, so I, close. I, I appreciate it. And and the invitation is always open for anyone from Buffalo Public Schools to, to speak on this because it's a the outcry is steadily growing and you're hearing more cases about this. Recently, we heard the case of Dariel Rivera Reyes, the 12-year-old boy who committed suicide because of bullying. The, the, the boy who, who, uh, who was the bully, in this case, numerous suspensions. The biggest takeaway there is that, that there were, I guess, red flags. There were incidences leading up to this saying, hey, this boy is being troubled by, by another boy. What are we doing about it? Suspending him, suspending him, suspending him. Not getting to the cause of, of why this is a problem or why this continues to be a problem. And it's a challenge, per se, because like we addressed, is that uh, teachers are also... Uh, lacking in resources, but at the same time, it's also, it seems, a legislative issue that is not being addressed properly. So when we were talking about root causes and alternatives to suspension, mm -hmm. I only went halfway through the list. We talked about behavioral health, mental health, but dispute resolution, mm -hmm. restorative conferences, getting people together, the, the person who may have said or done something along with the person who was a victim to figure out what is causing this? What can we do differently in this situation so that it doesn't reoccur, right? Bring all the parents together. Bring all the kids together. Bring some professionals from inside the school or even outside the school. We have partners like the Erie County Restorative Justice um, that specialize in this. Mediation, 
teaching these kids some interpersonal skills through conflict coaching and by using credible messengers, uh, people in the community that they actually know and respect to tell them that, you know, this isn't the way you handle this. Mm -hmm. As you get older, this is what you got to do, you know? Yeah, because uh, one of the things you learn um, in school is is just that. You said interpersonal conflict resolution. Yeah. That is, if you aren't exposed to peers um, and you go through those, 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 I guess those instances of, of, of adversity and, 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 and conflict, you're not really preparing yourself for the real world, which is unfortunately plagued by, by conflict at times. So resolving things in a way that's not violence, that's not eventually, or leads to violence or leads to, in this case, suspensions. Uh, right. And suspending the kid didn't change, the suspension didn't change the outcome. Hmm. It really didn't. If anything, taking the child out of school and letting him fall farther behind in his academics and removing him from the social situation and not putting together a plan to bring him back into the social situation in a way that's going to be productive, that's going to provide a secure environment for everyone. It, it just doesn't make sense. There has to be more planning. There has to be more process, more procedure. But I did want to touch on real quickly, the Buffalo Public Schools did a youth risk behavior survey, and they found that after COVID, the kids are facing more challenges than we ever expected, especially mm -hmm. with regarding uh, with respect to mental health. More than one in three reported feeling sad or hopeless. More than one in 10 reported that they had attempted suicide. And here's the crazy thing. Less than a third, only 29%, knew that their school had a mental health clinic. I'm telling you, knowledge is power. And the school has these resources. They got to make sure the kids know about them so that we don't have a repeat of a situation like Darielle. Um, I, as a parent and a parent that eventually their children are going to go to grade school, they're going to go to pre-kindergarten soon, um, it's alarming, and it's it's something that, that I hope we raise enough awareness to. Um, from my experience here, it's been a, an issue that's been ongoing for a while, and I'm, I'm, I appreciate that, that you're bringing this to light, helping those parents that are going through this, and this, and this both the, the victim and the, the student at, at fault, like getting to understanding that so as to not re keep repeating these instances is, I think, what everyone wants. Uh, Samantha, if, if anyone is in, is in need of, of help, if they're in this cyclical back and forth with, with schools of, of suspension and the hearings that, that come along with it, where can they seek any, any help or, or advice? So we have a series of partners, the New York Civil Liberties Union, Connect, the Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition, Community Action of Western New York, Western New York Law Center, UB Law. We've all come together and we have a Buffalo suspension intake hotline. Regardless of what kind of suspension it is, we'll get you directed to the right resource for help. And that phone number is 716-220-7081. Again, that's 716-220-7081. In my practice over at the Western New York Law Center School Discipline Project, we specifically handle the long-term suspensions. If you need help with a long-term suspension, appeal, MDR, give me a call, my direct line, 716-828-8441. Again, 
828-8441 for long-term suspension help. If you're unsure, call the hotline. And this has been Buffalo What's Next on the BFO and the BFO HD1 Buffalo. OEN and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.